Hey y'all, welcome back to Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host, and also I own the blog cabin. Today I am joined by Samantha Milner. She is a food blogger with the recipe this, and I really love her tips that she has about what kind of gadgets you can use in your kitchen, how you can be frugal by cooking and not having to turn on the oven, and her story about traveling through Europe using the Instapod is amazing. You really have to tune in to listen. And she gives some great tips about things that you can use if you're not really cool about cooking or if you're new to cooking or new, new to gadgets. There's really cool um, tips she gives and I, you just have to listen to her talk. She is from England, so she has that English accent and it's so beautiful and I could listen to her talk all day long. So you know what I need you to do? That's right. I need you to start listening. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, I'm actually joined by a frugal um, recipe person, Samantha. Samantha, tell us a little about yourself. Oh, hello. My name is Samantha, and I reside in Portugal. And I run the food blog RecipeThis.com with my husband, Dominic, and our three kids, uh, Kyle, Sophia, and George. Honestly, I could listen to you talk forever. Are you from Portugal originally, or where are you from originally? I'm, uh, I was born in London, and then I was raised in northern England. And we've spent the last 12 years living in the Algarve, which is kind of the popular touristy uh, southern spot with the nice beaches of Portugal and we're moving back to northern England next year. Oh wow what's made you decide to move back? Um, I feel like from a business uh, perspective that we're very much limited here in Portugal. It's a wonderful place to come on holiday but the rest of the time there's not much going on. Um, I mean for example the kids are getting excited about being able to go uh, temping bowling and to go ice skating when we move back to England you know it, it's the lack of uh, facilities for us and from a blogging point of view it's the nightmare whenever I'm trying to source certain ingredients that in England would be readily available I mean I often end up going to four different supermarkets just to source some celery I mean how stupid does that sound that, wow I can't even imagine because you think celery is everywhere you know yeah, and I love celery. I love home cooking. And, you know, celery is the latest. Um, I'm also very lucky if I can get a butternut squash. I've mm. always dreamed of trying a spaghetti squash, and I've never once been able to source them here. So, you know, it would just be nice to be able to get the normal, regular food that my readers want and I want to eat as well. So let's talk about your blog. What made you decide to start your blog? Well, I first started an internet journey uh, back in 2005. Uh, like many people that started around that era, it was always, uh, let's start selling on eBay. And then some people carried on that and other people kind of moved on to websites. So I've dabbled in a lot of websites over the years, managed websites for clients. And I think we first started our first blog in 2009 and we used to buy and sell them. And we settled down with Recipe This that we have now 
uh, we bought that, well, we set it up um, in late 2015, so it's kind of five years old now. And it focuses around cooking with kitchen gadgets like the Instant Pot and the Air Fryer. And it's just, um, it's our passion. We love uh, cooking and we love using the kitchen gadgets. So it just kind of suits us. And you're also basically around frugal cooking as well, correct? Yes. I always said to my husband that because we're living in Portugal, we can't run a frugal blog here because uh, what we can save money on here isn't the same as our readership would be in the UK or the US. So it's kind of a big passion of mine, but not something I can really do as a business. So what are some frugal substitutions in cooking? What are some things that you should always have like in your pantry that you can substitute out? Uh, for me, I've always um, got plenty of tin tomatoes in my pantry because they're just perfect for mixing with stuff to make a quick meal. And it's often much cheaper than buying tomato sauce, um, such as Dolmio. It's a big saving that you can make there. Or the best one that I've found for filling you up is red lentils. I can make an instant pot curry and I can fill it up with some red lentils. And because lentils are really filling, it does a fantastic frugal meal. Plus, you can't actually taste red lentils when they cook because they kind of dissolve into the food. So if you've got people in your family that say, oh, lentils, I aren't eating lentils, you know, <laughs> because we all have fussy eaters around us, don't we? You know, so you, they would never know they were even in there. Wow. I mean, honestly, because a lot of people, I can see what you're saying, lentils, a lot of people are like, oh, yuck, and that's healthy. No, I'm not going to eat that, you know. Well, if I hadn't if I hadn't got into the Instant Pot thing, I don't think I would have ever tried them myself because I remember my mum used to make them in this really weird egg bake thing um, that when she was on Weight Watchers, she used to make, and it was disgusting. And I think that had green lentils in it. It was awful. And that was my only memory of lentils. And then I kind of gave them a go in the Instant Pot and thought, these aren't actually bad. Okay, so what about spices? What are your go-to spices? What are spices that everybody should kind of have in their pantries? Oh, for me, I have a huge pantry pantry full of uh, herbs and spices. It's kind of my obsession. But I suppose the ones I probably cook with the most is your parsley, your oregano, um, your thyme, um, obviously salt and pepper, and then I often have rosemary as well. And they're kind of my go-to spice uh, herbs, I suppose, because they're not really spices. And then for spices, I always have garam masala in, which is an Indian spice blend. And you can kind of add a little bit of that to a meal and you've got a curry. You know, you don't have – it's kind of like a mixed seasoning for Indian food. And I always have lots of Cajun seasoning as well and um, I'm just thinking what else I have that's useful. One that's not in the pantry, but I keep in the fridge, is garlic puree, and it's where you can buy the garlic that's already minced, mm. and that is an amazing uh, money saver when you think of how many garlic cloves you would actually have to purchase for the equivalent, and such a time saver as well, because you can just put a teaspoon of garlic puree into the pan of whatever you're cooking, and, you know, you saved yourself peeling, chopping, and then, um, you know, mincing your garlic. So that's an absolute must. And the same probably applies to ginger priori as well. 
Yeah, you just talked about shortcuts. Can you give us some shortcuts? Like you were talking about the garlic cloves, use the garlic powder. So what other shortcuts could you use in the, in the kitchen? Well, if you like Thai food, a lot of Thai food um, starts with a paste and then garlic and ginger. So let's say, for example, you're cooking, um, if you want to cook a Thai chicken curry, you could start off with some um, garlic puree, ginger puree, uh, red Thai curry paste, a can of coconut milk, which of course has come from your pantry. And then you can put frozen chicken breasts, load it all into your pressure cooker with a cup of red lentils and some of your favorite vegetables. And you've got a curry. Okay, so if you're feeding a family of five, what are some of your go-to meals? My favorite go-to meal is um, an air fry roast chicken. Because if you think of how much it costs to buy a rotisserie chicken from the supermarket ready-made, in the air fryer, you can take um, one of the smaller uh, whole chickens. You can uh, smother it in salt and pepper and some parsley, um, a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. And you can uh, load it in the air fryer in the gaps that you kind of have around the chicken. You can easily throw in your potatoes and your vegetables and you've got a roast chicken dinner. The prep time on it is less than five minutes and you can cook a whole chicken in the air fryer in 40 minutes. So, you know, that's one of my favourites. I think me and my husband quite often will cook um, a roast chicken and then maybe steam some vegetables in the instant pot to go with it so that it kind of pairs up nicely and then we can enjoy chicken and vegetables for dinner so it's like um we're into healthy eating um rather than processed foods i love that a lot of people are turning to healthy eating because of all the chemicals in the processed food so what are your favorite kitchen gadgets because you just talked about the instapot you talked about the air fryer where are some of the other ones that you use obviously <laughs> well, the instant pot and the air fryer are the ones I use the most. But I would say after that, it would be the bread machine, um, the blender. Um, I would say slow cooker, but I tend to use the slow cooker function on the Ninja Foodie. And the Ninja Foodie is like an air fryer and instant pot and slow cooker in one. So they kind of fall under the same. And I would be absolutely lost if I didn't have a hand blender to be able to then use with the instant pot. Uh, like, for example, you can make soup in the Instant Pot with your leftover vegetables you've got that need using up. And then when once it's done and it beeps, you can just place your hand blender over it and kind of blend about half of it, stir it, and you've got a lovely, chunky, creamy soup, you know. So we, uh, we went travelling for eight weeks on a budget across Europe, um, just a tent and our Instant Pots. And we uh, we took the instant pot and we had the hand blender inside it ready for whatever we needed to use it for. So it was kind of a space saver at the same time. So let's talk about you camping with the Instapot because that sounds interesting. So let's talk about that. Oh, wow. I love talking about that. <laughs> You'll want to shut me up soon about it. So uh, we, had, we had enough money to be able to fund um, two weeks at Disney World. And it was kind of, our son was about 17. So we were kind of thinking it's going to be his last holiday with us. 
So I said, instead, for the same amount of money as two weeks at Disney, I bet I could do us somewhere between eight or ten weeks uh, camping around Europe instead. And I think we ended up spending about $3,000 uh, for all of us um, for about eight or nine weeks. And uh, I got the uh, – because obviously when you've got a blog, you've got some influence with companies anyway – so I emailed around and I managed to get um, the tent for free, sleeping bags for free, um, stoves for free. I got so much free stuff. It was unbelievable. And then we left Portugal and we did, I have to remember all the countries now. <laughs> um, we, we started, on, I'm doing it on my hands, by the way, here. You probably can't see my hands on the screen while I'm trying to count the countries here. Let's give us a minute while I remember them all. So we started off in Portugal. Spain, um, France, um, England, uh, Belgium, um, the Netherlands, um, Germany, and Luxembourg. Yeah, that's all of them. Uh, so eight countries in eight weeks. And I think we did um, a total of 10,000 kilometers uh, for the trip. And apart from, say, about the equivalent of about a week in hotels, everything else was on a campsite, in a tent, uh, just enjoying nature. You know, we um, we visited some great places. We went to um, the Black Forest in Germany. We went to um, Euro Disney in Paris. Um, we went to theme parks in England. Um, we, we went um, for my son's birthday because it was his birthday while we were there. We, he, he went to Ferrari World. We had lots of wow. beach days. It was just one of those fantastic bonding holidays and probably the best holiday I've ever had. But it taught me a lot more about frugal cooking because all we had to cook out of was the instant pot. So there was no air fryer or anything else to rely on. It was literally eight weeks using uh, using one machine. So <laughs> hoping that the electric would uh, live uh, for the journey. So honestly, since you've only used Instapot to cook your meals, did you have trouble finding, did you plan out your meals ahead of time? Or did you like kind of say, okay, I'm just going to source out at the market what I can find and then go from there? It, it couldn't be done more than two days in advance. It's like normally I'm the once a week grocery person. We don't go back out to the grocery store because we want to save money on groceries. So it was kind of a, a different uh, lifestyle as far as grocery shopping was concerned. So what we used to do is um, we kind of focused on any meat we bought was frozen. We never bought fresh because the idea being that we the chances are we wouldn't have a fridge mm -hmm. uh, I'd say 90% of the time we had no fridge or freezer so we were relying on uh, cooling bags and that kind of equipment so by buying uh, it kept the cool bag cooler for longer so it's it stopped us worrying you know the the chicken would be at the um, ultimate temperature so we focused on things like that I always made sure I had a supply of canned goods. So I would have lots of coconut milk, canned beans. Um, I relied a lot on uh, canned corned beef and canned spam because it's just something that it's not going to go off. 
and even though it's crappy meat, you know, because come on, most of us hate spam, don't we? Yeah. It did the trick. It did the trick. And then um, root vegetables that you know are going to last, uh, you know, like carrots can do a few days and potatoes can do a few days, so can parsnips rather than vegetables that would go off very quickly. So we avoided salad because you know what the bag of salad's like. It never, it never lasts, does it? Mm-mm. So we focused on that. And to be honest, potatoes and the corned beef in the instant pot uh, with some tin tomatoes is delicious anyway. So we had a lot of, um, a lot of hash. Um, I did a lot of soups as well because I can just get some cheap vegetables, throw in a can of tin tomatoes or coconut milk. And you've got a very quick soup. So it was just kind of uh, focusing on grabbing ingredients at the time that would last um, two or three days until you next hit a grocery store. And because we wanted to do the grocery shopping cheap, we would rely heavily on looking on Google Maps for the nearest Lidl because Lidl's kind of the cheapest chips kind of place. And then because we were on a travel adventure, we were always focusing on local produce as well. So we enjoyed um, in the Netherlands, for example, uh, the Dutch people are famous for their tomato soup. So in the Lidl's there, they sell a kind of tomato soup pack with about five different varieties of tomatoes, um, a little stock cube and a few other little bits um, and some root vegetables in there as well. So I could just grab a box of that, throw it all in the instant pot and we had soup. Wow. It sounds like you had a, a, a fabulous time. Did you just use the Instapot or did you take a frying pan or was it just solely the Instapot? Well, we took, uh, we were given a barbecue to take with us as well. And it took forever to get hot enough and you were re- always replacing the coals that came with it. So I believe we gave it to the campsite we were staying at in Luxembourg. And from that moment on, we just used the Instant Pot. But before that, we would using the barbecue a tiny bit and mainly the instant pot so it didn't really make much difference to us and the greatest thing about instant pots is you can take it in hotel rooms as well i'm a huge fan of uh, i know it's not as big in america as it is in europe um what they call yellow stickers which is basically where they have a reduced price sticker on some groceries and you get it for a a much better price because it's close to its use by date well, England um, produces the best of those, and that's where a lot of people keep their grocery spending cheap in the UK. So when we were in the UK, uh, we were at Asda, which is kind of the uh, UK version of Walmart, and they had a massive reduction just before we left on uh, potatoes. So we grabbed loads of potatoes, took them back to our hotel room, and made kind of like a vegetarian sloppy joes out of the potatoes, and it was delicious. And, you know, we ended up, there was absolutely loads, so we were having them again for the breakfast in the morning. So that's the thing, because you haven't got a fridge, you're stuck having really strange food for breakfast, you know, because you can't waste the food and you've got nowhere else to put it, you know? I love that. I mean, my husband always says, your stomach doesn't know what time it is. <laughs> like for breakfast, he'll like eat like tacos for breakfast. He's like, my stomach doesn't know what time it is, you know? And it's true. Your stomach doesn't know what time it is. Only your brain does. Yeah. Um, I'm a food blogger and we don't have the best light in our kitchen. And I was cooking um, a new roast beef recipe the other week. 
And I said, sorry, the lighting's gone too bad. So they were hoping for roast beef and Yorkshire puddings for dinner. And I ended up putting them in the fridge and saying, right, baked potatoes for dinner. And I think we had um, the roast beef for 11s the next day instead when the lighting was at its best. <laughs> That's the problems with blogging is that you have to have the right light, the natural light. If you don't have the right light or even an extra light, you always have to put your stuff up and do it a different day. I love that though, the way you um, kind of flipped yeah. it. Yeah, it's the humor of blogging though, isn't it? Totally the humor of blogging. So are, do you have plans to take any more trips? Because you said this was like your son's last trip before he like goes off into the world. Um, any more? Well, he's, um, he's 19 now. So is it that kind of age where he's not as interested as traveling with us? I think he'd de definitely come if we we're going to Disney World, where it's something that really interests him and excites him. But I don't think uh, he's not so bothered about just having two weeks in the sun with us anymore. Um, but I, uh, I had a lovely time, but I think the hardest part of it was, uh, which I didn't actually do, so I shouldn't be saying this, was the, um, the putting up and taking down of the tent. So when you're staying at a campsite for just three days, it's the effort of packing up and then setting up again constantly. So me and my husband talked about it, and this was obviously before COVID, and we said that the next thing that we want to save up for is a motorhome. So we would gladly do it again and travel around Europe many, many times. It's just um, the tent thing is, is it's hard work, you know. Um, I think between I think between the three of the three of us, as in my eldest son and those adults, is I think we lost about um, about twenty eight pounds between us in eight weeks because wow. of, because of all the physical activity. And my son just looks super skinny because he's skinny anyway. <laughs> we just it's like oh my god, how much weight can you lose to actually traveling like this? You know, because when you have to walk each time you go to the toilet you realize how many steps you actually go through. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I have one of those um, Fitbits and I'm normally around the 12,000 step mark. And I think every day we're on 20,000 steps. So <laughs> yeah. And then you don't have the room to store ice cream or chocolate or all the other things that you would normally eat. You, you know, you're very much on the, on the health kick when you're doing something like that. And I, I'd definitely do it again, but I think I'd like to do it next time in a motorhome because I think it gives you more freedom with the places that you can go and visit. So how would that be different, though, when a motorhome? Because obviously you'll be able to bring some staples along with you to cook. Do you think you'll just bring your Instapot again or would you bring something else? I would still bring my Instant Pot. Um, I would love to take an air fryer, but the problem with air fryers is that the wattage on them and the amps is very, very high. So they would blow most, um, most electrics on campsites and things like that, whereas uh, the Instant Pot is, is much lower. Um, the extra large Instant Pot they do now would probably blow electric, but the normal uh, size that the average household has, which is like the six quarts, uh, will be fine. So I would do that. But I think the thing that I would do differently is in a motorhome, I would have access to a fridge, which mm. I think is a big deal. And when you go eight weeks without having a fridge, you realize how much you miss them. I remember I remember uh, posting a video on, on my Facebook when we were staying at a campsite in France because they had a fridge. 
I thought it was the best thing in the world, you know, because I think at that point we'd gone three weeks without having a fridge. And I'm like, I've got a fridge. You know, it was just so exciting having a fridge. But I think that's the biggest change with being in a motorhome. And I think the other thing with being in a motorhome is that um, your motorhome's quite big. And when you're kind of moving from place to place, it's not like having your car on standby where you could just nip uh, nip down the, down the road to the supermarket. Mm. I think you'd be more cautious about when you go grocery shopping before visiting new places. But I think overall, um, it's the, the fridge element. It'd be the best part. And, of course, I think you'd probably have a barbecue again. Not necessarily the brand we had originally, but probably a better one because you've got the locker space to be able to hold a barbecue. Wow. I'm just, I, I honestly, I can't even imagine traveling that far. Do you have any tips about the air fryer whatsoever? I have plenty. What kind of tips did you want? Are you talking the newbie? Are you talking eating healthy, saving uh, money? Let's do a newbie because we have a, uh, comment from Sandy Brannon. She says, I just got my air fryer. So this is great info. So let's talk about newbie with your air fryers. Okay. So, um, I've got an air fryer course and in one of the first modules we did, we did, um, kind of your beginner, uh, 10 things you must try first kind of thing with your air fryer. And it's about stuff that, you know, you could give a four-year-old to do. It's that easy. And it kind of introduces you to the air fryer a lot quicker. And uh, one of my favorite recipes of all um, is chickpeas. Um, what do you call them over there? I know you have a different name for them, don't you? No, I think we have chickpeas too. Is it gazebos or something is it strange like that as well? Beans? Is it gabonga Yeah, it beans? could be. Yeah, it could be. Uh, well, anyway... Uh, you can grab um, a can of chickpeas. So it's great for saving money because it's, you know, just something direct from your pantry. Uh, you drain the can of chickpeas, um, place them in a bowl, add your favourite seasoning, and then you just air fry them for eight minutes. And uh, they just go crispy, just like the way in Indian cookery, they roast chickpeas in the oven uh, to then serve over curries and things, especially when you're making something like a, uh, chana masala which is kind of like your chicken tikka masala but it's uh, made with chickpeas instead so that's uh that's an excellent starting point because you just put in something uh, basic um in the air fryer um and then there's other basic recipes that you can do for the air fryer um such as grilled tomatoes is one of my favorites you know, like when you have your um, big breakfast and you have your grilled tomatoes with it, you can just chop your tomatoes in half, like if you were grilling them, sprinkle them with salt and oregano, and eight minutes later, you've got perfect grilled tomatoes. It's just fantastic like that. Um, and then from advice point of view, uh, I would say the best air fryer out there by, by a million miles is the Philips Air Fryer XL. There's nothing that comes close to that. And I believe it's because Philips was the first one to bring out the air fryer. So they've had the longest time to get their technology right and make the best one. So what you'll find if you're a new air fryer user and you're looking for recipes online is that most people will not say which air fryer they're using. You know, when you're reading a recipe, it'll just say something like, I don't know, air fry fries. And you, you don't know if it's the same air fryer you've got. 
And what I've found is that it's a bit like when you're living in an apartment and you've got that rubbish oven and you've got one shelf that cooks it real good at and another that doesn't do such a good job. And, you know, the air fryers are like that. You know, you can get a brand of air fryer that's really good and then you've got other brands that are not so good. So the first thing I suggest you do is kind of um, play about with the cook times. When you see an air fry recipe, cook it for about 80% of the cook time that it says so that you can check on your food because it's easy to overcook it if somebody's recipe you're following is using a different brand of air fryer to your own. For, for example, the Philips Air Fryer Double XL. I have it at home, but I refuse to use it in recipes because it's just so powerful that it's uh, it cooks things like five minutes faster than any other brand. Mm. So I can't be testing it and putting out a recipe for that and people saying, I'm sorry, but I tried it for 20 minutes and my food's not cooked, you know. So I, I test on the Philips Air Fryer XL, which is kind of the next one down. Um, but a lot of people also have the air fryer oven which is like mm. a miniature oven. And what I've found with that is it cooks food about 10, 15% slower than your air fry basket. But if you use the top shelf of it, it does such a good job that it's very similar to an air fry basket. And the air fry oven is much better for things like um, rotisserie chicken because it has a rotator on it so mm. that you can actually rotate your meat. And we're at the moment thinking about what we're going to have this year for Christmas. And we're arguing over which was the best rotated meat in the air fryer oven to have as our Christmas meat. At the moment, it's between the ham and the leg of lamb, which both of them were absolutely delicious. You know? um, but there's, there's so much with the air fryer to learn. The best thing is to start following on with some recipes. Or we have... Um, an air fry mini course on recipe this.com um if you just put in air fry mini course and it'll come up and it's just kind of uh, a five-day um email start course that'll just get you going with some of the basics like the a lot of people do the frozen food first because it's the easiest and it covers things like potatoes and that kind of thing yeah um sandy's actually commenting while you're talking and she said chickpeas are her favorite food ever so you giving that recipe about chickpeas is awesome <laughs> Uh, well, Sandy, the, the thing about it is you can use any flavoured seasoning you like. My favourite is to use um, some dried Cajun seasoning. Um, but I know that a lot of people serve them over soups as an alternative to croutons. So let's say you're making chicken soup. You can put some dried chicken rub on your chickpeas, air fry them and then serve it with them. And you'll also find <laughs> funny story this. Um, nearly every recipe online for air fried chickpeas tells you to olive oil the chickpeas before you air fry them. I used to do this. Uh, then one day when I was busy cooking, I totally forgot to add the um, add the olive oil and I cooked them dry without it and they tasted just as good. So it's up to you whether or not you um, toss it in any extra virgin olive oil. I don't think it needs it. So you couldn't tell a difference at all with them? No, I couldn't. I think some. I think there's this obsession with um, the diet crowd are all looking for ways to cook everything without oil in the air fryer. 
but the air fryer was built for reducing the amount of oil you consume by 95%, not to go oil-free at all. So, I mean, you can make fries without oil, but they're dry and horrible. <laughs> but, you know, some people on diets like Weight Watchers want that. They would rather have oil-free than have um, a quarter of a tablespoon of olive oil per serving, you know, which to me, for that little bit of oil, it makes such a difference. And the fries take, taste uh, just as good as they do if you have them deep fried in a restaurant. But there'll always be somebody that say, I'm not putting oil on them. Oh, wow. Now let's talk about Instapots because there's so many Instapots out there now. Like there's all different versions. People come out with their own little things. So which ones do you suggest? Well, I've still got the first one that I got given. It's the same one that I took traveling with me. And, you know, I got it in the Black Friday uh, sales in 2016. So it's, it's four years old now. It's had a lot of use. It looks scruffy, but it's still in perfect condition, as in it works properly and I've got no problems with it. And that's the Instant Pot um, Duo 7-in-1. And we've got the 6-quart and we've got the 8-quart in our kitchen. We've also previously owned the Melthy Multipot, which does the same thing and is often very slightly cheaper than the Instant Pots and also comes with accessories. But the problem with the Melthy is the front screen on it uh, seems to fade very, very quickly and ends up looking really scruffy. But apart from that, it's perfect. And then we also have the Ninja Foodie, which is probably the one I would probably recommend uh, families have the most. And that is uh, the Ninja Foodie multi-cooker um, is an air fryer instant pot, uh, slow cooker and saute all in one. Mm. And what I love about that is um, I'm an instant pot and an air fryer user and I'll often partly cook something in the instant pot and then I want to finish it in the air fryer. So, and a lot of people are like, should I buy the instant pot or should I buy the air fryer? So it gives them the opportunity to have both. Um, so that's probably the one I recommend the most, but I say the easiest one for everyday use is probably the Instant Pot, uh, the 7-in-1. They have a lot of newer ones now where they have a lot more buttons on them. But mm -hmm. the, the buttons confuse people. They really do confuse the beginners. Um, you know, they have a button for steam. They have a button for meat and stew. They have another button for beans. And all they really are is presets where it's kind of saying if you press so-and-so button, it will automatically set the pressure cook time to X amount of minutes. But just by clicking the pressure cook button and then pressing the plus or minus, you can achieve the same thing without needing all those buttons. And I think people are overwhelmed, but at the same time, mm -hmm. I can see why they did it because it makes it look like it does a zillion more things. It's kind of like a marketing gimmick the way you have all the buttons on the Instant Pot. Whereas on the Ninja, you just have one pressure cook button and a few more for the air fryer and whatnot. And it's, it, I think it's so much more simple to kind of get your head around. But like um, the 7-in-1 Instant Pot, from a frugal point of view, it's the cheapest. It's the cheapest Instant Pot. Um, you don't need all those extra buttons. It's got a cake button, but you can just 
press the pressure cook button and set your minutes and achieve the same cake. You don't need it with all these extra buttons. I think the only one um, that has extra buttons that is worth buying, um, I'm not even sure which model it is, but I think it's called the Ultra. And that is to be able to do sous vide in it. I think that's the only one that's really um, the extra buttons are worth having. Uh, but we've had it for four years. You know, we use it for business. We could claim it back on the tax man, but we choose just to use that one because it's just really good. Well, I love that. And Sandy actually just said, she said, two more comments. I have the air fryer oven. This is great info. Thanks. And she just subscribed to your newsletter as well. So you have another. Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, did you say she's got the instant pot as well then? Uh, no, she has the air fryer oven. I don't think she said. Oh, air fryer oven. Yeah. Well, with the air fryer oven, like I, like I mentioned already, it does the best for reticerating meat. Um, we've, uh, we've found that you can put a roast duck on it, roast chicken, um, ham, lamb, um, you know, pork, the opportunities are endless. And the other thing that we found with the air fryer oven is it has uh, a catch tray at the bottom, um, uh, to take all your juices that drop. Mm. Uh, what I recommend you do is cause you can't find that many accessories that fit that size, you know. Uh, when you look at baking sheets, they're always aimed at the normal sized oven. So I recommend you you use that as your baking tray and then put something else down in the bottom of the air fryer oven instead. For example, um, if you look through our recipes, Sandy, we have a category on recipethis.com just for the air fryer oven. And on there, you can see photos of doing um, pork tenderloin with the apples and then having it so that uh, using the tray the drip feed tray to put your meat on and as long as you're not putting a meat on that's incredibly fatty that's going to overload the tray it's a very good frugal way to avoid buying extra air fryer accessories so what do you suggest putting on the bottom of it then you said if you use the tray put something else on the bottom of it what do you suggest well one of my favorite uh one of my uh favorite tricks is actually to do a layer of uh, silver foil on something that's slightly smaller uh, like a casserole dish and then layer it down and it'll actually catch all the juices like that um one of my readers he just uh, he just puts a layer of silver foil on the bottom or as you call it in america aluminium foil yeah. and it just grabs everything as it goes you know and it's it's really good like that but you only really need to use that tray when you're roasting, um, roasting meats or potatoes together. And another good idea is um, when you're using your top shelf, let's say you have um, a leg of lamb on your top shelf. Um, you can have the bottom catch tray, the normal one that comes with it, uh, to collect the juices to then make towards your gravy, just like you would if you were making a traditional meal. And um, one uh, product that costs uh, way too much money that I would never pay for it is, um, is duck fat. And you can be cooking duck on the rotisserie and then you can use the um, bottom uh, shelf that catches everything uh, to preserve the duck fat. And then let's say halfway through cooking your roasted duck in the air fryer oven, 
you grab the fat from the bottom, you toss it in your potatoes, and then you cook your potatoes with your duck for the remainder of the cooking time. And then you've got beautiful duck roast potatoes. Mm, that sounds good. I should not have had this interview with you when being hungry because I am so hungry right now. My mouth is watering all these recipes that you're sharing. Well, well, it's 20 to 6 here in Portugal. So, you know, it's our dinner time. So I'm, I'm getting myself hungry just chatting about it. <laughs> so is there anything else that you would recommend to someone who's just starting out and just really doesn't know their way around the kitchen? Uh, well, I was I was on another podcast um, where I was talking to a chef and she was like, um, you know, I'm a chef. I wouldn't possibly use kitchen gadgets. You know, they're beneath me and that kind of thing. And uh, we got talking about the bread machine and, you know, she was a pastry chef. So it was totally against her religion to use a bread machine. And I was telling her what it does. And if I was starting out in the kitchen, I would be telling everybody to get a bread machine because you can throw the ingredients for bread dough um, in the bread maker. Um, that'll probably take you less than two minutes to throw them all in. Uh, you press the, um, the dough setting and exactly 23 minutes later, you've got perfect dough. Uh, that doesn't need proving because it's already been proved in the actual bread maker and you can just roll it out and it's pizza dough. Um, you can roll it into bread buns and cook them together as bread rolls or dinner rolls as you call them in the air fryer and it's just got a zillion uses. I even use it to make um, calzones with um, leftover roast dinner. For example, let's say you're cooking uh, chicken pot pie. Um, you can grab about three tablespoons of chicken pot pie, put it in your little calzone or pie maker, and you have um, kind of a delicious calzone um, made with leftover pizza dough. There's just so much use of it. And, you know, also it's got setting for just bread if you want, you know, two hours on the bread setting and you've got perfectly sliced bread. And, you know, we're talking um, frugal here today mm -hmm. and there's nothing more frugal than making your own bread. Well, no, that kind of scares a lot of people because bread is something that, you know, the yeast and rising and everything else. So how easy is it to make it in the bread maker? Um, well, me and my husband, we've never really had an opportunity to get into videos or get ourselves on YouTube um, because our kids have always been around us. So for our first recipes, we did air fry frozen food thinking they were the easiest thing on earth to cook. So if we've never done videos before, let's not make idiots out of ourselves and let's just do air fry frozen food. So our second run, which we're doing next week, is actually going to be recipes just made uh, with bread maker uh, uh, dough because it is just one of those ridiculously simple things. Um, I think you literally have a list of ingredients when you're using the bread maker. And the only rule you have to follow is to put the yeast in last. Mm. So you kind of have about a teaspoon of yeast when you're making the bread and you throw all the ingredients in, you layer it up and the yeast um, goes in last. And then you just kind of wait till it's finished doing its thing. Um, and the thing is, it's not overly wet, so it's easy to transfer to a worktop then. But when people are scared of it, the easiest thing is to make a loaf of bread because it's making the bread for you in there so you don't even have to touch the dough. 
Mm. Um, you know, because <laughs> I think that frightens some people a lot, doesn't it? And you don't have to touch it. I think the only thing about it is if you touch it when it's still warm, it slices terribly. Because mm. it's warm homemade bread, it doesn't have that same durability that it does when you buy a cheap loaf of bread from the supermarket that you slice, you know. It's just slightly different. Um, but during all that's been going on with COVID, when everybody was um, low on supplies, we couldn't get yeast either. So mm. what we turned to was doing flatbreads in it. And most people love homemade flatbreads, don't they? Instant tortilla wraps. Yep. And um, what I had is we had um, a tortilla recipe uh, that my husband, Dominic, had put together. He's ex-chef, you see, so he's great for all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I said to him, what recipes have we actually got that don't use yeast? You know, we, we need our bread fix. And um, he tried his exact recipe, but threw all the ingredients into the bread maker instead. And the dough came out perfect. So, you know, we don't have one of those fancy KitchenAid uh, mix bowl things. I don't know how even how to describe them because they're not popular over here. Um, well, anyway, your bread maker is a fantastic mixer and it's much cheaper than buying a KitchenAid. I mean, our bread maker, I think, was about um, $50. Wow. And you can often get um, brand new ones um, that people don't want and haven't used and still sat in the box on eBay for about a tenner. So, you know, they're, they're very, very cheap to buy. And, you know, if you're thinking, I want a KitchenAid, but I can't afford one, it's, um, it's a fantastic backup plan. I love all these tips that you're giving us today about stuff in the kitchen. Who would have thought a bread maker in place of a KitchenAid mixer? I love that. Well, I I never really thought of it like that. And then uh, I'd read somebody's blog post and it'd be something like um, kitchen gadgets you don't need. And they pretty much all named the bread maker as one that you shouldn't buy and instead just use a KitchenAid. Well, you could do the equivalent of that, couldn't you? And say, well, I don't actually need a KitchenAid. I can have a bread maker instead. And, you know, with a bread maker, it does do a lot of other things. Like you can make jam in a bread maker. I believe you can make yogurt in one as well and lots of other weird things. I haven't done any of them myself because I find with a bread maker – you, you can become quite boring because you've got a dough that you can use for a zillion different recipes, mm. you know, or you can leave it just to make bread that you don't really need or want to or crave all these different ways. I think another thing we did this year with it was we used the bread maker to make donut dough and then used the air fryer to cook the donuts in. And they were fantastic. But tasting the dough, I was kind of thinking to myself, well, I could use this exact same recipe, but use less sugar and I've got bagels. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of it's kind of you can you can have a bread maker, have five recipes and it'll do 200 different recipes with your variations on it. Um, like, for example, you can throw in some beer and some cheese and you've got beer cheese bread. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm a kitchen gadgets blogger. I should do more different things with the bread maker. But I just find that you end up going back to, this, to the same ones again because they're just fantastic. 
Um, I can kind of a bit like with air fryer and a, and when I'm talking about roasting a chicken, you know, there's many different variations of what seasonings you can place on a chicken. Just like you could add um, sage and onion stuffing into its cavity if you wanted to, and you've got roast in it. You know, it, it's just um, a million uses out of these gadgets. Um, when Philips first launched the air fryer in uh, 2010, um, it was just advertised as the Weight Watchers way to enjoy fries. And that was it, you know. And 10 years later, we're talking about it can do cakes. It can do all sorts of things, you know. I've, uh, I love it for cooking a quiche in, you know. Um, my favourite breakfast is um, kind of like mini frittatas in silicone moulds in the air fryer. And it's just... You, you kind of you kind of think to yourself, why do I why do I ever need an oven again? Because um, we just use the oven now um, for the Christmas turkey because it won't fit in any of our gadgets, and that's literally about it. Everything else we do in, in the gadgets. Plus, it saves on electricity as well because you're not using the oven or your gas bill because you're using the um, gadgets, which is cooking in half the time. The only thing I would think of is like in the wintertime when it's really cold, having the oven on can heat the house a little bit more than anything else. But that's the only drawback that I would see. Yeah, I, th I forget about that because Portugal is a much hotter country um, than growing up in England. And Portugal is just so hot that uh, we barely, we don't use our instant pot and air fryer in August. We just cook everything out of the slow cooker because you go into a sweat just walking to the toilet. It's just mm. ridiculous how hot it gets. Um, I think in Fahrenheit on your uh, temperature, I think it's about 120 Fahrenheit mm. every day. Yeah. It's like um, we've got a dog and it's like to walk her in summer, we have to take her before quarter past seven in the morning or after 10 o'clock at night because it's just hurt her paws too much with the road. Oh, wow. I, <laughs> I, need English, I need an English summer to recover. But you will get a lot of rain in England as well when you move back, correct? Yes, I will. But the biggest benefit probably about the weather is that we could um, test recipes um, in the summer without overheating, I think is the biggest thing. But... Portugal's heat is ridiculous. I mean, it's uh, it's worse than Florida. We went to um, we we did a five week trip uh, to America back in 2012, and we thought uh, Florida was cold. Oh wow! Wow! <laughs> and we were there in July. It yeah. was in July as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, because I'm actually on the East Coast. I'm in North Carolina. So, yeah, it gets hot in July. So, if you thought that was yes, cold, wow. Yeah, and you, you should have seen me around at my aunt's the week after that in Vermont with the jumpers on. And they're all in the 4th of July uh, summer gear. And I'm, I'm kind of dressed in the, in the uh, winter jumpers complaining that it's freezing in Vermont. And my uncle had made a thing of cleaning out his um, swimming pool for us. Oh, and wow. I thought to myself, I've got to go in this swimming pool, you know. And it was absolutely freezing. Because <laughs> you know? it's the climate thing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I always compare when, because Americans always ask me, well, what's the weather like? And I always say it's kind of a bit, um, a split between uh, California and Florida. Um, we get the really uh, severe bushfires that California gets. Mm. 
Um, we had some really bad ones in 2018. Um, but we also get the tropical weather uh, like Florida gets. Um, when we were in Florida, there was one of their um, um, storms. I think it was a hurricane that kind of bounced off Orlando. And then I remember we went to um, uh, one of the parks at Universal and it was a behind the scenes thing of the film Twister. And my son was 10 at the time. And he said to me, Mummy, will we get a Twister ever in Portugal? And I said to, said to him, no, Kyle, we'll never get one. We don't get that kind of weather. But over the years, we've kind of gone more tropical with our weather as mm -hmm. climate change and everything. And um, that was in the July. And in the October, we got a terrible Twister. I don't think he ever believes the word I say now. <laughs> you know, same year as I've taken him there and told him, no, we don't get those. It wasn't really bad like they get in America. You know, you see some parts of America and they're like scary. You know, it yep. wasn't that bad. But we still had motorhomes overturning and trees overturning. So, you know, it was it was scary to a 10-year-old that never seen one before. Wow. Now, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share? Um, I think the biggest thing um, is that with the when you're using these gadgets, um, most people are just too frightened of them to get them out of the box. So I just say head over to recipethis.com, uh, check out our mini courses. We have one for the air fryer and one for the instant pot, and there's plenty of beginner information out there. Um, just get going with it, you know, and it can save you a small fortune, especially when you want to follow the frugal lifestyle. Um, me and my husband um, spend the equivalent of about $280 a month on food, and that's to feed five of us. And we do eat salmon from time to time. So, you know, um, lots of great meals in these gadgets can save you a ton of money. You know, you can make soups that can feed you for two days. You can do the same with stews. It's just a great way to balance modern day cooking with the old school cooking, I suppose. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you said there's some people that are scared of the air fryer, are scared of gadgets and not getting them out of the box. I'm guilty. I had an air fryer for years and just finally got it out of the box this year and started using it during the summer. So, <laughs> so Did you like it? Oh, I love it. I love it. What's your favorite thing so far then? Um, love quesadillas in it because I like the crunchy quesadilla, like the when you go to a Mexican restaurant and it's crunchy because my husband's from Mexico, instead of it being like soft, the tortilla, I like the tortilla with some kind of crunch on it. So I love that. Yeah, um, we do too. We do too. Um, we've done um, homemade burritos in there and various things like that. And I love the crisp on it. Uh, one of my favorite recipes is baby potatoes. So if you, when baby potatoes are in season, or if you've got small ones in your regular bag of potatoes, you can just season them with extra virgin olive oil, salt, pepper, and parsley, and throw them in the air fryer. And I always say, cook them until they almost pop because they kind of go all uh, kind of wrinkly like a baked potato does and they're absolutely delicious and they're one of my favorite things in there but yeah it's definitely the crisp uh, it's wonderful I mean uh, another suggestion is always to have um, make yourself a little olive oil spray it's um, 
very bad news to use those Pam aer aerosols in there. As I believe that's what you call them in the US. We call them fry lights in Europe and because they damage the air fryers. But instead, mm -hmm. if you could have got an old spray bottle, fill it with extra virgin olive oil or avocado oil, if that's more your favourite oil. And then when you cook in, just um, when the air fryer's got two or three minutes left, give it a quick spray and then it will really crisp up the food. And that's um, particularly important when, you use it, when you're doing breaded chicken. So if you're thinking um, your chicken schnitzel, your chicken cordon bleu, um, and other similar ones, I think you have, is it called uh, fried chicken steak over there? Yeah, yes. Yeah, when you're doing something like that in there, whether it's frozen or freshly made, give it a quick spray and it does make such a difference. I love that. So how can people find you now? Right, uh, so you can find myself, Samantha, and my husband, Dominic, and our kids over at RecipeThis.com. Um, we have categories for the different kitchen gadgets there. So if you just have an air fryer, you can head straight for air fryer. We have a bit of everything, so instant pots, slow cooker, sous vide. Um, we just generally love cooking with kitchen gadgets, and there's plenty of easy recipes to follow. And like I've mentioned, I'm really into frugal cooking. So there's quite a frugal cooking um, element. Twitter, um, Pinterest, Facebook. And we've actually got a Facebook group where we share a lot of our recipes as they happen as well. Um, what's your Facebook group name so that people can actually look it up? It's just called Recipe This. Um, okay. So if you just go to facebook.com Facebook forward slash group this and uh, recipe this is also a handle for our facebook page um so we're but you can find all the links to everything from our blog anyway okay well i want to thank you samantha for joining us today and i mean i can sit here and listen to you talk about food all day long and with your voice i mean i'm like honestly i'm so hungry right now <laughs> and like you said you're hungry as well right <laughs> So, guys, it looks like we kind of lost her. She's fading out. So, I just want to thank you for. Sorry, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's um, I'm... yeah, it's pretty terrible. Okay, guys, I just want to thank you for um, thanks Samantha for joining me on chat from the blog cabin, and we'll see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Y'all, I hope you really enjoyed this chat with Samantha. It was an amazing chat. I learned a lot from her. I also cannot wait to get an air fryer that has the rotisserie on it because do a whole chicken. I mean, dude, how quick would that be? Um, I just want to thank you. I just thought this podcast episode was a little bit different because I know a lot of us are moms and a lot of us are, a lot of my listeners are women and they're always having that question, what's for dinner? And I'm like, really? Even now, when even though my kids are older, my husband still comes home and says, what's for dinner? And then I'll say, okay, well, we're going to eat out. Okay, you pick the restaurant. And that's kind of, I know most moms struggle with that. And I know most women struggle with that, that the man has them pick the restaurant. Like, can you not once in your life make a decision for yourself to where we're going to eat? 
I can just about eat anywhere. I can find a salad if I have to. So I just thought this was a really cool episode. And the fact that she works with her husband on the blog recipe, this is amazing. And I loved her tips on doing chickpeas and curry. And I hope you got a lot of great information that you can use in your kitchen. I will say that the, the one thing that she definitely recommended and I took a note of is the Philips Air Fryer XL. If I do not have um, affiliate, I'm not affiliate of them, but I will drop a link to my affiliate for Amazon in them and drop an aff affiliate link for Amazon for air fryers as well in the Instapot if you're interested in buying those. Um, but basically the reason why I drop affiliate links is, is every once in a while it helps me to create more content, to buy things for the podcast, like a, a better microphone, um, better computer. It just depends on how things are going because, you know, sometimes it's kind of in and out. It's It just depends on the day of the week and the, the internet connection I have. But I want to thank you guys for being a member of the podcast family. I just adore every, each and every one of you that are listening, that are tuning in and listening. I thank you so much. Well, I've had some incredible guests in season one. It's about to wrap up. I'm going to wrap up season one with an interview with a person who's going to talk about things that we can do with our kids during while they're home on winter break. I know a lot of people with kids are home period because they're going to virtual school, but there are still some school systems that their school um, kids are still going to school. So now they're going to be home for winter break. And that's going to be the last episode podcast episode for season one. I'm going to take a couple of days and then we're going to go right into season two. And I've already had some amazing guests lined up. I've got people that want to deal with the money management. I have uh, some more authors, tons of authors. I mean, I really that I love people that write. And so they contact me. I'm like, sure. I also have some hardy heart hit hard hitting issues um like molestation sexual abuse um eating disorders um how we can get through it because honestly my purpose for this podcast is to let people know that they're not alone that there is someone out there that is struggling just like they are and yeah some of them may be really upbeat and and positive but some of them are really hard hitting issues that we really need to talk about because that's how things start to become normalized in America is when we start talking about them, like mental illness. There's such a stigma around them and people are so ashamed to say that they have a mental illness. But hey, we all, in some way, shape or form, have something wrong with us or have something we're dealing with. And it's better to talk about it out in the open. And I know one of the biggest things I deal with is what's for dinner, shopping, making a meal plan. Honestly, I don't think I could go. I know this is long-winded right now, but honestly, I don't think I could go five weeks and use just use the Instapot and have to figure out meals and plan for five weeks. <laughs> I would totally be lost. I would be so upset, so so crazy because yeah, I can't even plan a me meals for a week without going off track. So, <laughs> and like I'm doing off track right now. So I want to thank Samantha for coming on and giving us some tips on. Um, kitchen gadgets and frugal cooking and everything like that and I want to have more fun tips like this as well um that are not not as hard-hitting and not as um thought-provoking maybe but I really want to thank you guys for being part of the podcast family like I said earlier and I would love if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes because that helps me it helps get this content in front of other people and it's just going to be an amazing way for you to get back to me 
So, and it's free. All you have to do is a little bit of your time. And that's what I love about being a podcaster is that I can come on and let you listen for free. So you know what I need you to do? I need you to start chatting with each other.